You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Covenant Church in Big Spring, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us online. To find more resources or to donate to this amazing ministry, please visit us at cccbigspring.org or text your amount to 84321. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God. God is good and all the time. Amen. We're so delighted to have you here. I want you to wipe your stand and grab your Bibles and go with us to the 17th chapter of the book of Luke. The 17th chapter of the book of Luke. I want to bring a very perhaps unfamiliar passage to some of us, but I believe that what God has laid on my heart today is going to that girl sang that song like she believed it didn't she praise the lord amen we are in week three of our kingdom essential series Uh, our topic if you have been joining us online or perhaps you've been here from the beginning our topic is taking a journey back to the things that are vital week one pastor Corey launched this series opener with talking to us about kingdom essentials of worship Last week, we spoke to you about the essentials of his presence. Today, I want to bring you to Luke, the 17th chapter. I want to bring four verses to your attention. Luke 17, verse 7. We'll read verses 7 through 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Your your translation may be different from mine, but I believe you'll be able to follow along. Again, Luke, the 17th chapter, verse number 7. If you've arrived to that portion of Scripture, I want you to signify by the stand of amen. If you have not, say, hold on. We're going to hold on. Look at your neighbor and say, she's worth the wait. Yes, she is. She is. Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 7, 8, 9, and verse 10. Can you say amen? And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper? And gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterwards, 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 you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he has did the things that he had commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that what was our duty to do. Here in our third week of our Kingdom Essential series, we're going to continue with our journey back to the things that are vital. And in this message, I want to speak to you from the title, His Servants. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for this wonderful gathering of believers as we have come to break the bread of life, break bread together in your word. Now feed us. Let your word go out, return, uh, and not return void, but let it go out and accomplish what it's sent out to do is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say amen. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are so delighted that you have chosen to join us here at the 9 o'clock hour. We certainly thank God for uh, Michelle, who was uh, hospitalized for several uh, days, several days, and she's back. Let's give her a round of applause that she's back with us uh, this morning. And then I see some other familiar faces uh, that has, uh, we haven't seen uh, due to COVID, but it is such a delight uh, to see you here at the 9 o'clock hour. 
let me just say also we're excited I shared with uh, this nine o'clock group uh, a couple of weeks ago that we are delighted the fact that your contribution your prayers your your support your giving all these things even during COVID God has blessed us matter of fact I was sharing with them the month of August four of those five weeks we have baptized uh, someone uh, somebody's given their life to the Lord and then last week somebody was gave their life to the Lord and was baptized and today we have a couple that's going to do it at the 11 o'clock let's give them a round of applause and I just want to say thank you for doing what you do now as we enter into this particular service and we enter into this particular thought this particular subject centered around servants and the service unto the Lord one of the things that I want to share with you uh, one of the things I want, I hope I can see without my, my glasses, uh, they look foggy, but you know, maybe it was that toilet paper I used, you know. <laughs> People that wear glasses know don't use toilet paper, right, unless it's at last resort. But uh, one of the things that I want to share with you as we move into this thought or this subject dealing with this idea of service, I want to suggest to you uh, that you certainly, at the beginning of this, need to be commended. For your service unto the Lord I, I get a chance to walk the hallways and I think about some of the things that we've been able to accomplish this to accomplish together as a single unit uh, we have seven full-time employees but there's no way that we do what we do at Cornerstone Company Church with seven individuals uh, many of you may not know that we have anywhere from 90 any given time anywhere from 90 to 120 volunteers that serve and the reason we distinguish between uh, volunteers and those are on staff only to denote those who are uh, full-time versus those who are really full-time just not compensated with pay but you are taken care of God knows how to take care of his servants can I get a witness here God knows how to watch over us but I just want to take a moment to commend our dream team because there's no way we do what we do without your support and without your aiding and, and assistance. In this given text this morning, Jesus speaks to those who are actually really serving. These are not people that are sitting on their four-point contact doing nothing, but these individuals are actually serving the kingdom of God. And notice, if you study this particular chapter, the 17th chapter of the book of Luke, one of the things you'll notice is that Jesus makes it clear to whom he's speaking. In verse 1, he tells us that he is speaking to his disciples. Somebody say disciples. And as we recognize that he is, oh, thank you, baby. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> Woo I can see all of y'all now. Praise the Lord. It was like, a, a, like the Shekinah glory of God was in here, but, but I know it was my glasses. Okay, moving on. These words are not given to the multitude, but according to Luke 17, 1, it is given to the disciples, according to Matthew 71. He is speaking to his disciples notice what he opens up in verse 7 he says this which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field come at once and sit down which of you Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says out of all of you who are listening to me he says which of you having a servant a servant was an individual that was not just a follower of Jesus in this story he's talking about one who was not just following but one who was actually serving 
notice that Jesus does not put an emphasis on this particular individual's title. He doesn't even put an emphasis on this person's position, nor does he put a, a big emphasis on this person's specific responsibility. But he calls or shares with us his role, and that role is that of a servant. I believe that Jesus is trying to teach the church something because sometimes we get caught up in titles and positions. Uh, we focus on things like the bishop or we focus on things like the pastor. We focus on things, is that person an elder? Is that person a deacon? Is that person, amen, a lay person, an active Christian in the service of the Lord? But the real focus is, is that we're all called to be servants. Somebody say servants. If you're a child of God, understand that your number one foundational role is that of the servant. It doesn't matter if you're the baker, the caker, the baker, the faker, amen, the candlestick maker. All of us are called to be servants. Notice he uses a very familiar word that we're used to, and that is this Greek word for servant is doulos. This is a term that we see Paul use. We see that it is referred to as when it talks about the roles of elders and particularly deacons. It, the word doulos is this Greek word that simply means a bond servant. It means a person that is an attendant. But specifically what you need to know is this. This individual is one who gives up his or her life for another's will. I'm going to say that again. This is a person that is giving up their life for someone else's will. Whose service is used in the Christian definition of this word is used by Christ in extending and advancing the cause of Christ among men. In other words, it's a kingdom duty. It's not just a sec. It's not a. Sec it may have secular ramifications, but it is a secular kingdom duty. Notice the outside work that is mentioned at the beginning of the passage. The outside, but somebody say the outside work. The outside work that is mentioned here is that of plowing and tending to sheep. Notice he mentions, he says, which of you having a servant? And then the first thing he mentions, he says, who is perhaps plowing. Now understand, plowing was long, hard, tough, exhaustive work. It is, it anybody's, anybody ever work on a farm? Anybody ever done any plowing? Amen. How about old school plowing where you was actually behind a plow and a horse? Uh, most of us have done have not done that, and if we did it, we just we didn't do it for a man uh, monetary value. We did it just because we wanted to just see what it would look like. Amen. None of us are out there for eight hours a day. Why? Because we have machinery doing that. But understand, in biblical days, amen, there was tough. Hard. I'm not suggesting that it's not tough work now, but certainly we understand that there was no comparison to back then to some of the things that we have now. Understand, he says, now he who understands this, he says plowing, long, tough, hard, exhaustive work. In addition to that, an individual that was plowing was a person that would have to have strength. This individual would have to have endurance, but this person also would also have to have vision. He says, which of you having a servant that was plowing? And then Jesus in his teaching switches gears and he says, or you that has a person that is tending sheep. Now, tending sheep, again, much like that of plowing, was long, tough, hard, exhaustive work. But this individual would require, if this person was to be successful, was going to require some patience. This person was going to have to pay attention to detail. But this person also would have to have a caring heart. But both of them are hardworking. Both of them does exhaustive work. Both of them have long days. Why? Because in both areas, it brings with it additional challenges. 
Can you imagine rising up early in the morning and it's cold? Anybody ever got up early in the morning that it's really cold? I remember being in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. People don't realize that the desert get extremely cold early in the morning. But then by the breaking of day, by all of a sudden, uh, the sun begins to rise. That person that has been plowing, that person that has been tending sheep, it goes from being extremely cold, you're dealing with inclement weather, to all of a sudden now you're dealing with the blazing heat. And to add injury to insult, can you imagine also, amen, uh, battling the elements of insects? Uh, I don't know about you, but, but one insect that gets on my nerve is gnats. I, I don't like gnats. That, that gnat that gets right up around your ear, that and then you be trying to get him, but he's so small that you can't get to him. But, okay, y'all act like I'm the only one. Y'all ain't never had a gnat bother But can you please tell me what you're using? Because I've had a few gnats bother me. Not only gnats, but can you imagine dealing with the blazing heat of not not only dealing with gnats, but dealing with the flies, swarms of flies as they tend to sheep or if they're plowing in the field. To add injury to insult, can you imagine also working in an environment that is not always smelling the best? If you're plowing, can you imagine the smell of manure? If you're tending to sheep, that's, a, that's, well, that's enough within itself if you've ever been around sheep. The stench of sheep can also be offensive. He says, if you have a servant yourself that is coming from the field, having plowed and having tended the sheep, he says, will you say to him after he has come in from the field, here's this servant that has come in from a hard day's work. Here's this servant that has come in from the outside, now find themselves on the inside. Here's a servant that has dealt with the cold and the blazing heat, the sheep or the plow. And now all of a sudden they have finally arrived home. And notice in the text, the master does not serve the servant. He does not feed the servant. He does not comfort the servant. And he does not compliment the servant for all the hard work that he's done that day. Now I don't know about you, but when I was studying the passage, I wanted to check out right here. I wanted to check out right here because I said it's seems like there's no appreciation for the contribution of the servant. Notice he says, come at once and sit down and to eat. Notice it's a question mark. He says, which of you have a servant would invite them in, amen, after they have worked all day to sit down and relieve themselves, sit down and recover. Matter of fact, the word sit down there literally means in the Greek to recline. This person is now, what we would call, the old folks would say, taking a load off. Anybody ever heard that term? Hey, come on in, rest your feet. Come on in and take a load off. But notice the person goes from outside work, amen, to inside work. Now, every mother in this house knows about that. She knows what it means to work from the outside, from the inside. Can I get a witness here? That you realize that your work don't stop just because you made it home. And even though you would like to recline, you look over at the dishes and you say they need to be washed. You, you look at the laundry and you say they need to be tended to. And then you got them little rut rice that's pulling down on your leg, looking at you saying, what are we going to eat? I know there's a mother in here right now. I say, I wish if I could just have one Mother's Day present, I wish somebody would not ask me today, what are we going to eat? We eat every single day. You know I'm going to feed you every day. You're going to eat. I feel, I'm sorry, I digress. Amen. But I understand the battle that comes with this challenge. Notice in the text, he says, but will he not say to him, here it is, he says, he goes from the outside to the inside work. He says, after he's had a hard day, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I've eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink. But I say to you rather to him, here it is, this kingdom servant, after he has plowed as he has tended to the sheep in the field all day in the heat, in the elements, notice the high expectation of the servant the master has of this person that is serving. 
One of the biggest mistakes, one of the worst mistakes that we can make as servants is to, is to live a life of mediocrity, to live with low expectations. And often this is done because of the, our own actions and our own behavior. So, so, so many of you sitting here right now knows what it feels like to be right here. No one is expecting anything from you exceptionally. Can you imagine this, this master having a low expectation? That's, that's, not the, that's not the rhythm of the text. The rhythm of the text is that this master has a high expectation of this servant. First of all, he knows that this servant is diligent. He knows that this servant has been working. And now all of a sudden the servant comes in and at a time in our understanding of working on day would now be in a position to be relieved this person is still continued to ask to work until the job is done now I don't know about you but but to me that that would be somewhat offensive but the expectation is is that the person continues to go on now I would say the flip side of that coin is to have a master that has a low expectation of you I don't know about you but it is an offensive thing to know you have greatness on the inside of you but people don't think greatness is in you nothing is great going to come from that person it's an offensive thing to live a life where people don't even expect you to be faithful I believe that costs us a lot when we live a life when people don't expect us to be on time I think it's an offensive thing to be a Christian and people look at you on the job and say oh she's gonna be late he's gonna be late why because they're always late y'all don't want to talk to me here I just lost half of you but I'll come back and pick you up here in a minute it is an offensive thing to not only not be on time but it is an offensive thing to have the attitude of the master to look at the servant and say that person is not dedicated that person is not committed this person doesn't have follow-through or will follow up with anything or anyone it is an offensive thing to live a life where people when they ask you or question you they don't expect you to be truthful they expect you to lie I believe that it is an offensive thing to live a life where people say you know what they're doing good but it's only for a season because they lack consistency they will not follow through they will not endure through the long term matter of fact I would say it's equally offensive to live a life of apathy in other words yeah they show up they're on time but they're just going through the motions you cannot expect anything greater they're going to do just enough to get by look at your neighbor and say don't let that be you don't never live a life of this you're just going to go through the motions and do just enough to get by just so you can amen get your ticket punch so that you can collect the paycheck but you need to understand that because we represent the kingdom of God we should be able to go up and beyond the very things that anybody is calling us to do somebody should have said amen as opposed to this servant that is when you look at that in the opposing or opposition to that I see this servant as being innovative I see this person being insightful I see this person being imaginative inventive but also more than anything what I see in the text is a person with the right attitude notice in verse 8 he says but will he not rather say to him prepare here's my first point my first observation he says prepare something for my supper notice that but rather will you say to this servant prepare something for my supper here's my first point and that is we are to serve sacrificially we are to serve sacrificially we're, pastor Willie, where do you get sacrificially from in the text well notice he says prepare something for not our supper not for your supper but he says for my supper sacrifice is the act of giving up something not only giving up something but to give up something that you want to keep especially in order to get something or to do something else to help someone else out 
That's the simple definition of sacrifice. The kingdom servant here is given the responsibility to prepare. Somebody say prepare. The word prepare here in the text means literally to make ready. To make ready of something. In other words, I'm going to give up this for that. What is one of the things that we see in the text that he's willing to give up? First of all, this person is giving up his time. He's, he's, he's going to give up his time. Amen. Because he's coming from the field. He's coming from plowing. He's coming from tending sheep. And now he is challenged to give up his time to continue to serve the master. Now, don't get it twisted. The master in the text is speaking of Jesus Christ himself. He says, and you've had a long day working, tilling and toiling and all of these things. But now I want to challenge you to continue to serve. So I want you to make something ready. Notice it's non descriptive he didn't tell him what to make he says go prepare something but in order to do that you're going to have to give up something you're going to have to give up your time here it is for my time you're going to have to give up your meal for my meal you're going to have to give up your activity for my activity you're going to have to give up your interest for my interest not only do you give up time but in order to give up time you give up that which is valuable that which is lost again can be found except what wasted time they say time is our greatest commodity it is redeemable when we can get it back when we're with God it is a redeemable commodity because God is the one that can is the only one that can restore time back to us again so here he is he gives up here it is he gives up his time he gives up something that is valuable but according to the definition of sacrifice he gives up something amen for the greater good of someone else in other words this is the ministry aspect ministry is seeing the need and then meeting the need that equals ministry and so all of a sudden you find this person giving up their time their meal their activities their interest for the sake of the master he's given up something valuable for the master he's done it all for the purpose of the master but notice in the text he says but will he not rather say to him prepare something for my meal and then he says this and gird yourself now, this is not a term or a phrase that is commonly used by us. We, we don't walk around telling our children, go gird yourself. We, we don't tell our spouses, go gird yourself. This is not a common term that is used. But gird yourself literally means to go prepare yourself. Here's my second observation or my second point, and that is we are to serve prepared, prepared. Now, the Greek word gird here is a word that literally means to fasten oneself with a girdle or a belt. In other words, it means to go in here. Don't miss this. The word gird yourself literally means to equip yourself to serve. So he says, here you are. You've come in. He says, what I want you to do is go prepare a meal. But before you serve the meal, I want you to go prepare yourself to serve. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I would have checked out right then. Amen. Now, I've just worked. Come on, y'all. Can I? Do I got some real people here? All of a sudden, I am working. Now, all of a sudden, I I've cooked and, and, and got the meal together. Now you want me to go gird myself, which literally means to go prepare yourself. Let me break it down to you. Go change your clothes. Go get out them filthy clothes. Go get out yourself and go prepare yourself to actually serve the meal. The word gird there literally means also not only to take off that which is inappropriate, but it means to put on. But it also means to gird. In, the Bible talks about gird yourself with truth. It talks about things that would be dangling and get in the way, things that would trip you up. Take that excess.
excess. Come on, here it is. Don't miss this. Take that excess of cloth and tuck it away. Let me give you the spiritual memory, uh, meaning of it. It means to take your excess flesh that you would step on or others would step on and tuck it away so you can continue to serve. Because if the truth be told, we're serving God and all of a sudden we'll have too much flesh hanging and it'll step on us. Come on. Or we'll step on it or others will step on it and it will mess up your ability to serve. Can you imagine? I feel like preaching here. Can you imagine working all day, sweat on your brow to come in now and be asked to serve a meal? Don't do nothing else. Don't go cook. Don't go do nothing else but prepare a meal. And then after you prepare the meal, don't serve it just yet. I want you to go put on a man and take off. I want you to take off. That's what the word gird means. So here it is. He is really telling him, go prepare yourself, but first take some stuff off. Look at your name and say, some things we just got to take off. Yeah, remember, we're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about serving, amen, in the type, right type of way. But amen, don't come into the kitchen, amen. Don't come into the dining room naked. Put some clothes on. Don't, yeah, don't come in offensive. Put some stuff on. Gird yourself and then tuck away. But also, it speaks of attitude because when he uses the word in the next passage or the next part of the passage, he says serve, which means that you have to also not just come and give, but come with the right disposition. Come with the right attitude. Because sometimes we're in the service of the Lord, but we're nasty. Sometimes we're serving God, but we're mean. Sometimes we're serving God, but we're dismissive. How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit, serve God with integrity, and then cuss somebody out in the parking lot? I know you wish you wouldn't have came this morning, but I got to preach to you while you're here. You may not come back. I want to tell somebody here that if we're going to do it God's way, if we're going to do it the right way, we got to do it God's way. And we need to make up our mind that we're going to serve him to the best of our God-given ability. Somebody ought to say it, amen. Amen. That's all right. You don't have to say I brought a box of them with me this morning because I knew it was going to be tight right up about here. So understand, he says, but will he not say rather to him, prepare something for my meal, gird yourself. And then he says this. Here's my third point. He says, and serve me. So not only are we to serve prepared, but we are to serve. Here it is, point number three, and that is selflessly. Selflessly is this idea of being concerned more with the needs and the wishes of others than with our own needs. Jesus is teaching his disciples and he encouraged them this idea of serving him first. Now I know that we as believers sometimes say that Jesus is first in my life. But if we were to evaluate our lives over the last 48, 24, 48 or 72 hours, would that statement stand out? When Jesus uses the word serve here, it is the Greek word to wait upon. It is not talking about wait upon as it relates to time, but it's that of a waiter or a waitress. In other words, you've been out in the heat all day, but I want you to come in, prepare me a meal, and then I want you to gird yourself, go get yourself prepared to serve the meal. And then he says, once you have prepared or girded yourself, he says, then I want you to come in and present the meal. Now, in order to do this, it goes back to what I said about the right attitude. And the right attitude that Jesus is teaching his disciple is simply this. He says, what I want you to do in this level is I want you to take the attention off yourself. Because it's easy to be 
focus on self. And not that there's not seasons or times that we shouldn't focus on self. The Bible says to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor, here it is, as yourself. So it's not that we should have low self-esteem. But we need to understand that our esteem should be lower, amen, as it relates to our service unto the Lord. In other words, we shouldn't walk in pride or arrogance. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to be effective in the kingdom is that they first must prepare themselves and not only that he says then serve me this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples he says when it comes to service you need to make sure that I'm the focus to the least of these you've done to me so in other words when you find yourself serving even other people when you see Jesus in them then you realize that you can do what's called to be done even when you're fatigued even when you're tired he says serve me somebody say serve me he says serve me in the sense of taking the attention off yourself but it doesn't just mean taking the attention off of self it means also equally to place attention onto someone else Jesus is teaching them a very valuable lesson in the sense that he wants them to focus on the right thing or the right someone in any given time. He goes on to say, but will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself, and here it is, and serve me. Notice in the, la the latter part of this passage, he says and uses a three-letter word in the New King James. He says, till I have eaten and drunk. Here's point number four, or our fourth observation, and that is we are to serve patiently. We are to serve patiently. Patiently is this idea of showing tolerance in the face of delays, problems, and serving. I'm going to say that again. When Jesus is saying that we are to do it until he is eating, he is teaching his disciples that they are to serve patiently. Jesus is teaching us 2,000 years later that we in the church are to serve patiently 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 here is the idea of showing tolerance in the face of delays problems and suffering also coupled with this idea of not becoming annoyed and anxious at the same time so here it is I want you to see he says he comes in from the field he brings in men and he says I want you to go prepare a meal after the meal is prepared he says now I want you to go gird yourself gird yourself change get yourself prepared then he says come back he says and I want you to serve me but I don't want you to just come and give it to me I want you to serve and continue to serve until I have completed my task of eating Lord have mercy he says I want you to continue to serve until I'm done not till you're done but until I'm done not till you're done but until I'm done not until you're done but until I'm done in other words you don't get to decide when it's over he gets to decide when it's over somebody needs to hear that right now because I believe that the Holy Spirit has been trying to deal with your heart in the midnight hour saying you quit too soon you gave up too soon you gave in too soon you are to serve until I done until and in order for us to do that we're going to have to operate with patience somebody say patience we're going to have to do it with this idea of facing here having tolerance in the face of delays you say wait a minute and if, if it's true that we are to be patient and we are to do this and hold ourselves together in the face of this opposition of delays what could be the possible delay well one delay is how long does it take to eat a sandwich Oh, you good because you ate breakfast this morning. But if you know you can't eat until they done and you're looking at them and they have you ever been, have you ever went to dinner with somebody that eats extremely slow? Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you'll go eat with somebody like me and I'm dysfunctional the other way. 
I was in the military, so we eat it now, taste it later. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, that's, that's just a, that's a, that's a horse of a different color. My point is, is that sometimes we are delayed. And he says, in the face of the delay, he says, I want you to operate in tolerance for that which or to whom you're serving. In other words, get your attitude together as it relates to how you are serving and to whom you are serving. He says, he says, you're going to face some delays, but not only delays, he says, you're going to face some problems. And in the face of that problem, I want you to show some tolerance. The problem is, I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at the text, I'm saying one problem is simply to be in a place where you know that you could be spending time doing something else, but you're doing that. So in the space and in the place of serving and your mind is going around thinking about all the things that you should or could be doing, you got to put all that aside and make sure that you don't operate, listen, being annoyed or becoming anxious. Not only do we have to do it in the face of delays and problems, but if we're true to the authenticity of the definition, then we realize that also we got to do it in the face of suffering. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be a little irritated when I'm hungry. Do I have a witness in here? Amen. Anybody just get a little irritated and you blame it on diabetes. Praise the Lord. Amen. You have, amen. If you're going to be strapped and coupled with diabetes, at least you got to have an excuse for something, right? So understand that when you're coupled with, with this idea of facing not only delays and problems, but suffering. And, and, the, and you say, well, what is the suffering? Can you imagine watching somebody else eat while you're hungry? You got to call your, listen, you got to be intentional about not becoming resentful. You, you, you got to be intentional about not becoming angry to watch somebody enjoy something that you're not able to enjoy at the moment. You are able to watch somebody else be blessed by something that you're not blessed in that season. You're watching someone else move on with their life when it seems like your life has become suspended. And I want you to know that the text says that we are to do it till he has eaten and drinking. Understand, the word till, we would say until. It simply is this idea, don't miss this, it means up to. It literally means up to this point in time. So Jesus says, he says, when you are serving, he says, serve me till. In other words, up to this point in time. What is the completion point? Till I've eaten and I have drank what I wanted to drink. He says, I want you to continue to serve until. In other words, there is a time limit you just don't know. In other words, there is a time where this is going to be over. I'm just not going to tell you ahead of time what that time is. Look at your name and say, you got to be willing to wait. I heard somebody tell me years ago that if you're willing to wait forever, forever doesn't take that long. You'll get that on the way to the car. Let me say it one more time. If you're willing to wait forever, forever will not take that long. Here's my final observation here, and then I'm going to call you up, worship team. Just give me about two more minutes. He says, but will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk? And here it is. Don't miss this. And afterwards, somebody say afterwards. Come on, I know it's 9 o'clock. Somebody say afterwards. He says, and afterwards you will eat and drink. Here's my fifth and final observation, and that is we are to serve until the work is done. We are to serve. Notice he uses this word afterwards. Afterwards speaks of a future time. I told you earlier that he says, I want you to do this until or till up to this point. But then you find yourself at this point and then afterwards. Somebody say afterwards. So I want you to see. Jesus says, I want you to continue to serve me 
teal or until. In other words, I want you to come in from outside and I want you to prepare the meal. I want you to not only prepare the meal, I want you to gird yourself. I don't want you to just gird yourself, but I want you to serve me. But I want you to serve me until. Somebody say until. Until. In other words, up to this point, you're going to continue to do what you've been doing until I distinctly tell you to do something different. Until. He says, I want you to serve until. But then you'll get to the until to the at point. I know this seems sort of redundant, but I want you to stay with me here he says I want you to serve up until you get to this point but then he says afterwards somebody say afterwards afterwards is on the other side of right now and Jesus is saying you're going through some stuff I feel like preaching right now he says you're going through some stuff right now but when you get to the other side of this it's going to be okay when you get to the other side of this you're going to be able to eat when you get to the other side of this you're going to be able to rest when you get to the on the side of this then the focus will be on you but until you need to continue to be faithful doing what God called you to do and the reason this bothered me me because I realize we live in a culture that we give people divine permission with without divine permission to do so. We tell people stuff like, hey, you need to take a break. Amen. And I started to go back and look through the scriptures and I started thinking to myself, where did this break come from? Notice Jesus says in verse 9, he says, does he thank that servant? Does he thank that servant? Well, in, my, in our culture, we would say, well, duh, of course. You always say and show appreciation. But in Jesus' time, this was considered a Greek idiom. In other words, they would have laughed and said, well, of course not. You don't, you don't thank somebody for doing what they're supposed to do. You, when somebody comes in and they punch the clock to work, you don't say, oh, we're so grateful that you showed up to come to work today. We're so grateful that you did what you're being paid for. You, we're so grateful for you being taken because you're being compensated. But we're just so grateful that you did what you did. Amen. I don't tell my children, thank you for cutting the grass. It's your grass. Y'all don't want to talk to me here. Uh, yeah, you ain't thanking me for paying eight KEXU bills and that you got you ain't doing your homework under a candle. You turned the lights on and it came on. You jumped in the shower in the water. Y'all don't talk to me, y'all. You jumped in the shower and you was able to bathe your body. So he's saying to him, he says, does the master thank the servant because he's done the things that he commanded? I think not. This is Jesus. He's, he goes and speaks now in the first person. Jesus says, I think not. The reason that's important because Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But if we don't imagine, y'all stay with me here. If you don't manage this part correctly with the proper attitude, then you can easily slip into offense. And when you slip into offense, we begin to say things like, my season is up. When in reality, we're just AWOL, absence without leave. In other words, no permission given to take a leave break. Why does this happen? Notice in verse 10, he says, so likewise, when you have done all those things, somebody say all those things which you are commanded and this is the problem that we make we never go back and ask God have I done all that you command me to do I'm tired but have I done all that you commanded me to do I'm fatigued but have I done all that you've commanded me to do I'm despondent but have I done everything that you've called me to do and I think we as spiritual leaders sometimes give people a loophole because we love people so much that we say no yeah baby you're okay but we never go back and 
and say, wait a minute, God, what are you saying about the matter? Because sometimes you can disconnect and now you become the food of the enemy. The enemy then steps in to try to take advantage of you and your family. And I come to tell somebody today, the devil is a liar and so is his mother-in-law. So you need to understand the question that we ask ourselves in the text. He says, when you have done all of those things which I commanded, the question is, are we finished? Are we finished doing the things that Jesus has given us to do? So you say, Pastor Willie, well, where does this idea of taking a break come from? Here it is. There are times that we need to take a break. Don't miss this. Because we are broke. I want you to imagine a vacuum cleaner. That's my impression of a vacuum cleaner. And it's working. It's just a tool. That's what, that's what Jesus teaches us in the text. All of a sudden, the, the vacuum cleaner begins to smoke. Well, you turn it off. You disconnect. You, 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 you check the power supply. But because it's smoking, you realize that it is in need of some type of aid. So we immediately give it a break because it's smoking. Touch your neighbor and say, are you smoking? Yeah, yeah, sometimes we are smoking. But then there's a difference between needing a break and needing a vacation. See, a vacation, I, I, tell, I, I tell people that we don't get to take a break from anything else from society. If you're, if you're married, you don't get to take a break from being a husband and a wife. When you're a parent, you don't get to take a break from being a parent or a grandparent. Here it is. When you are a kingdom citizen, you don't get to take a break from being a kingdom citizen. And the problem we have made is we've reduced ministry down to man. So we don't see any kingdom implication for our disconnect nor our disobedience. So the difference between needing a break and a vacation. Here's the vacuum cleaner. And then it cuts off. Me and Bella, when we was doing the piercing the darkness, was up here. And uh, Bella got the backpack when he got the vacuum cleaner. And she was up here while I was doing that. She was over here vacuuming. And then all of a sudden, the vacuum shut down. And then we noticed something. It became unplugged. That's why it wasn't working. Sometimes we're taking a break, and we don't need to take a break. We just need to go get plugged back in. The reason that the, the vacuum became ineffective is because it was no longer connected to power. And the reason sometimes we need a break, because we're no longer connected to his power. And so we become fatigued and we say, I don't have enough energy left. I don't know I have enough tolerance left. I don't have enough patience left. And it's because not the service we're offering. It's because we disconnect from the power that is supplying what is needed to get the job done. So notice what he says. He says, so we are unprofitable servants. And we have done what was our duty to do. Here in this text, in the closing, Jesus is saying, here it is. We are here in our closing text, and we are encouraged not to just do the bare minimum. We're unprofitable because we sometimes do just the bare minimum. We do just enough. We, here it is. We do it at the level where we're able to compare ourselves to one another. The Bible says in comparing, you guys can come out immediately, Pastor Corey. The Bible says in comparing ourselves to one another in so doing so is unwise. Sometimes we feel okay because we're comparing our little to someone who is doing nothing. 
And really what we should do is compare it to what God told us to initially do in the first place. I've fallen into that trap. I've fallen into the trap of comparison and saying, well, I feel good today because I at least got this done and that didn't even get done. But when I go back and look at it in comparison to what he originally told me to do, I realize that 99% obedience is still 100% disobedience, particularly in a time when it's intentional. Here, this is what I want you to capture. We are to go beyond the written and the spoken obligation as we close pastor tony evans pastor of oak cliff fellowship church in dallas texas uh, who by the way just lost his wife not too long ago lois uh, but he's been a he's been a giant in the kingdom of god i thought about a story he shared with us as it relates to this passage he said there was a time, he said, I would come in from two-a-days. Anybody done two-a-days with sports, particularly football, two-a-days, right? He said, I would come in from two-a-days. He says, and when I would come in, he would make this announcement because he knew when he got home there would be duties to be done. Now, he did an outside work, which was two-a-days, but now he was at home and he had an inside work to do. He would make this announcement when he comes in. Oh, I am so tired. He was saying that for the benefit of his mother's ear. And she would say, come in here and wash these dishes. He said, Mom, I'm tired. I've been playing and practicing all day. I'm tired. And this is what she said. She said, if tiredness was a criteria of function, your breakfast would not be cooked. Your lunch would not be made, and your clothes would not be clean. She said, let's be truthful. If criteria was a function, tiredness was a function, uh, criteria function, she said, you wouldn't even still be here. I would have got rid of you a long time ago. This is what mom was saying. I'm tired too. And there's still work to be done. I'm tired. But tiredness cannot be the criteria. This is what his mother was teaching him. We both are going to rest once today's work is done. I'm not asking you to work all night until the next morning. I'm saying that there's an assignment, there's a work to be done today. Somebody say today. And once that given assignment has been done, then we take our leave. Then we take our rest. There's some people in this room, the Holy Spirit is saying, I have given you assignments to do. And you have been gifted, equipped, and trained to make a specific type of contribution. Notice in the text, the servant, even though the idea was given of perhaps one who tends sheep, one who was plowing, they both had work, or both tasks requires work, and then after all of that work, there's some people here, you work outside of the community that you live in, and your work outside of the community does not excuse you from serving the community in which you reside. There's people here, you work outside of the home, 
but home is still your responsibility and there's work to be done in the home here it is we work for the most part when CCC started all work outside of the building but we still there's no way we get to this place in time without a group of people realizing that there's not just work we do outside the church but there's a work inside of the church and never listen to the lie of the enemy where you start to repeat and speak out of your mouth divisive unhealthy things things like I'm not being paid to work at church yes you are the Bible says those that give to the give to the poor live to the Lord when we say poor we're not talking about financially poor all the time sometimes the word poor means lacking or without so when you fill in a gap and you serve in that capacity what you're doing is you're girding that up you're making your contribution to something that was poor that was lacking that was destitute that was unproductive and when you step in you're bringing what God has given you that that area is no longer poor and God says those that give to the poor lend to the Lord and God says I will not owe you God says, I will never forget about your labor of love. When you make a contribution, it's a big deal with God. Every head's bowed. As we close or prepare to close. This is a rally call for every servant of God. Ask the Holy Spirit this question. What more have you called me to do? I'm always appreciative when people set up appointments and say, hey, can we serve? Can we help? I'm appreciative of that. But I humbly submit that God has already told many of you already what your role is supposed to be, what your contribution is supposed to be. And even though we love a servant heart, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done, we're better off when it's according to your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. Let's prepare ourselves. Thank you so much for joining us. It is my hope that the Word of God has planted, was planted in your heart in such a way that if anything, it provokes you to go back and sit down and spend some quality time with Him for the purpose of evaluating where you are in your service to the Lord. I know you're tired. I know you're disappointed. I know you're frustrated at times in different seasons. I'm not suggesting you are there now, but there's times and seasons that we go through that. And guess what? The person that's preaching was preaching to himself as well. Because guess what? I get tired. I get disappointed. I get frustrated. And there's times that I look at it and I look at situations. And I'm always reminded of this. God says, I called you to it. And I'll get you through it. Don't you dare ever blame people that did not call you to this. You have an issue, you come talk to me about it. And that showed me how we get our view twisted and we make it a natural thing. When really, the church is unlike any other institution in the earth. Because it's a kingdom community with kingdom principles and practices. I'm not saying you don't have those kingdom and practices in your business, in your home. You should, in your marriage, in your parenting. But the way it functions is a kingdom function. This 
we insult what God has done when we bring it down to Cornerstone Covenant Church, when we bring it down to Pastor Willard, when we bring it down to Big Spring. We insult the integrity of what God has called us to do. This is kingdom business with a kingdom assignment. People's lives are literally hanging in the balance. I make this appeal. We absolutely, positively need your contribution. So why would he say at the end, we are unprofitable servants? This is his attitude. When you compare in light of what Christ has done, not just in the earth, but through eternity, and what he allows us to contribute, he says, it's nothing. It's nothing. When you consider what Christ did on the cross for you and for I, for us, and what he allows us to bring to the table, it's absolutely nothing. That's the kingdom. Now here at Cornerstone Covenant Church, are we appreciative? Absolutely. Are we thankful? No doubt about it. But when we walk around with arrogance and prideful as if people should just be excited that we showed up, our attitude needs to be more humble and say, God, thank you for giving me life, health, and my, the activities of my limbs. Because there's somebody sitting in a hospital saying, I wish I could make it to church. I wish I could serve as a deacon. I wish, I hope, it would be my prayer. I would be so grateful if I was given the opportunity to whatever. So let's go back and compare it not to one another, not even to where you used to be, but to the sacrifice that Christ has already made. I want to pray for you. First, Father, if there's somebody here that don't know you in the pardon of their sins, I pray that they have heard the gospel message in such a way that they have come to believe it and that they've received it into their heart, that it brings them to a place of repentance, that they would be exposed to the gospel truth, that they would confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And that they would identify themselves through water baptism and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But Lord, also today we pray for every servant. Every servant in this house. Those that are new. Those that have been here from the beginning. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you've given us in this church. There's no way we've gotten to this place without their financial, prayerful, spiritual, emotional relational contributions thank you for the words of encouragement that we receive through texts and emails to just encourage us in the faith but father our prayer today is that you would cover every person in this room those that are members and those that are visitors lord our prayer is that you would cover them minister to them and then empower them with your purpose and plan show them directly personally and intimately their contribution to the kingdom not just to the church not just to the community but to the kingdom so that we would have the ammunition and the fuel to fight back against weariness and being tired and fatigued Lord I pray that you would cover every soul in this place 
cover their families. For when the enemy cannot get to them, he loves to attack their families. So, Lord, I pray that you would just place a hedge of protection around their families as well. Remind them of all of us of our divine purpose. And thank you for choosing us to be his servants. In Jesus' name, let all God's people say amen. God bless you. We so love you.